You won't want to miss episode 14. We dive into the cast of characters it takes in a successful trade transaction. This is Two Babes Talk Supply Chain, where we interview the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, changes in the industry, and hot topics in supply chain. We answer all your questions and put sexy into supply chain. We are your hosts, Sarah and Nick. Welcome to Babes listeners. Today we are talking to Ben Culp, all the way from Spain, about the social supply chain. As a millennial, Ben Culp was born with a natural interest and understanding of social media, which he first showed in his master's thesis on the subject, Social Media in CRM. He joined Orca Social after five years at Oracle, where he worked as a senior social solution specialist. Wow, that's a lot of words. With customers across EMEA. Next to being a big fan of CrossFit and co-working spaces, he operates one of his own in Malaga, Spain. Ben helps B2B companies around the world leverage the, possi- the possibilities social technologies offer. Welcome to the show, Ben. We're so excited to have you on, and thank you for accommodating the time. I promise we won't ask too many hard questions. So are you ready to talk about supply chain? Yeah, definitely, Sarah. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Great, great. Well, let's get started. So why don't you tell us a little bit about Orca Social? Yeah, definitely. So as you said, absolutely correct. In the interest that we help B2B companies first and foremost, right? So those weird companies nobody knows sitting somewhere in the middle of the supply chain, not really dealing with the end consumer directly to make the best out of social media. Yeah, that's right. And B2B is such a hard place to be when it comes to social media. So um, it's really good that we've got, uh, obviously, yourself and Orca Social to to walk us through that today. So in supply chain, I mean, especially logistics, social media is still so taboo. Um, you say it's the wild animal nobody, no one knows how to tame. So what do you mean by that? Well, yeah, what I mean by that is like, you know, when you talk about social media, then people, first of all, they think about Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and Pinterest. And, you know, it's, and with a wild animal, I really mean that it's hard to control. You know, there's so much information out there and everybody can speak. Everybody has the right to speak. So companies often shy away from it and say, like, you know, this is only going to bite me. So I better don't touch it at all. Now, that's maybe the wrong way to look at it. Let's forget about the common term social media. Let's talk about social technology. If you broaden it into the wider sense, saying social technology, well, then we find loads of use cases so that those networks or, in general, the way of social communication makes sense also for businesses and not just anchorage. Yeah, that's a really interesting way to take a look at it. Talking about it in a in a social technology um, standpoint rather than social media. So why don't we get into, can you give us some examples of social technologies moving an industry forward and then also some examples using it, um, using social technologies in supply chain? Kind of a two-part question there for you, Ben. 
Yeah, definitely. Let's maybe maybe to start with. Let's let's start with a consumer example, which I like quite a bit, but then can also be applied to supply chain. Okay, so I guess you know the brand L'Oreal. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, those guys they were really looking at bringing out a new product to dye your hair, and there were those three different trends in the industry out there, right? There was this ombre effect which is pretty much going from dark, starting at the top of your head and then becoming brighter um, at the end of your hair, right? That was one trend they observed. Then there was the tie-dye effect, which is basically mixed colors all across your hair. looks really weird, a little bit hippie-like. And then there was the splat effect, which is pretty much those neon intense colors like pink or uh, neon green or that kind of stuff, right? And they were like saying, okay, so what kind of product could we bring out for what style and which one is the most requested one, really? And to answer that question, they turned to social media. They turned to social networks. So what they did is they used social monitoring technologies to find out what are people most talking about. So by doing keyword searches across pretty much the web 2.0 space, right? Not just social networks, but then also forums and blogs and everywhere where people can give their opinion. They looked for discussions around the ombre effect, the tie-dye effect, and the splat effect. And in the end, it turned out that the ombre effect is the one that most people are actually talking about. Loads of celebrities are actually applying that themselves, and that's obviously always a good vehicle for marketing campaigns, and they decided to go into that direction. And then they actually still sticked with that technology and with that technique of finding out what people want in the product development phase, right, when they actually came up with a product that allows you to apply the ombre effect to your own hair at home because many people kind of like complained that there is no proper product out there doing this for them. Going to the hairdresser is really expensive. And the products that are available claiming that they do it are really hard to apply and usually don't really come out as well. Right? So they took this entire feedback and then created a product that addressed all of those issues and they launched it with a massive success. Right? So I think this is one great example of how a big company who is looking at the market, doing its market research, turned to social networks, something like Facebook and the likes, to find out what the market actually wants. Yeah, that's a that's a great example. I uh, I am one of those uh, ombre followers, and uh, I do have that effect on my hair. So so that's an interesting story for me. So then, what are also some examples in the B two B world then, and uh, especially specifically towards supply chain? Yeah, and in the B two B world now, you could um, imagine something very similar. You know, I mean, if you don't want to publish, if you don't want to engage to start with, then that's perfectly fine. The first step of a successful social media strategy very often is just to listen. There's so much interesting information out there in specialist forums and blogs, but then also on the social networks where people exchange information about products and services they would like to have, right? And um, sort of like also people are more and more asking in a business sense how they could ship good uh, a certain goods from A to B, right? So as a 
logistics vendor and as a logistics partner to other companies who want to uh, ship containers from A to B, that might be an interesting insight to say which routes are the most requested ones. Right. If probably later on I got a little bit more details as well um, about Marskline, which you've probably heard about, who is who was really in uh, around 2011-2012 the first B2B company and certainly the first shipping company that used social media in a meaningful way and uh, made sense out of it and could actually prove that, hey, even an unsexy company like Marskline uh, can get value from social networks and social technologies overall. Wow, interesting. So um, then my next question for you is, you know, how will supply chain win um, if we optimize and focus on the communication component within the, the social technologies? I mean, we've kind of, you've kind of given us example of the social media, but then there's also that communication component where you can engage and, and really get to know your customers, what they're talking about, what they're looking for, maybe even getting feedback. So how will, you know, supply chain professionals and, and business Businesses within supply chain that are B2B, how will they win by focusing on that component of social technologies? Yeah, that's a good question, Sarah. And that actually brings us really into social technology and maybe a little bit further away from just social networks. Because if you imagine that you apply the principles of social communication just within your own company to start with, right? To let one department communicate with another and uh, just become sort of like more resourcefulness. I think that's the main win from optimizing the communication via social technologies for companies, right? That you start communicating more meaningful inside your own company. Email is not always the best answer to ideal communication. Email is a very kind of like linear communication channel, um, as are one-on-one as the name says, one-on-one instant messaging chats, right? If you open this up to groups, if you open it up to networks, if you implement something like an ESN, an enterprise social network, then you can really leverage the communication power of a social network to become more resourcefulness, to put the people that you actually have into the right project to make sure everybody knows what he or she is doing and uh, in the end of the day, save money that way by improving communication internally. Yeah, and also work together. I mean, you mentioned ESN. What What is that again, and what specifically does that mean? Yeah, sure. So ESN stands for Enterprise Social Network. There are loads of different platforms out there. Um, actually, even Facebook, they launched their own offering now, so they're kind of like becoming a bit B2B as they're selling their own platform to companies for them to use it internally to communicate. So it's kind of like a, um, a closed-down Facebook where only your employees have access to. Um, the, the biggest kind of like other players in the market would be platforms like Yammer or you've maybe heard about Slack. So all of those platforms allow you to communicate internally via a social network where you have commenting capabilities, you can give likes, you can share pictures, documents, you can collaborate on documents, you can do video conferences, right? So it's a little bit more geared towards B2B, but it's very much using that capability that we ev- that you already know and use on a daily basis for the business context to kind of like replace old older-fashioned ways of communication, if you will, um, like email. 
Yeah, and it's a little bit more instant. I mean, we use Slack internally, and um, we really like that platform. It's instant communication. Like you said, we can share documents, um, which is great because sometimes on email, the, the documents are too large, a file, and then and then you can't actually send it to the person. But it also makes it a little less formal um, and really helps to create some of your uh, co- corporate culture and uh, get people talking a little bit more because sometimes, you know, you're really busy and you can't get up from your, from your desk. But uh, I think that's a really great, you know, tip to just say, you know, start internally, build your corporate culture around it and then, you know, take it externally and really start engaging with your customers. Yeah, I love that point of view, Sarah, like build that culture around it. Very often companies, they introduce an ESN, an enterprise social network, and then they wonder why nobody uses it. Um, you need to have an open communication culture within the company that actually allows the usage of an ESN, right? So what I want to say with that, imagine a company that's been sort of like very much top to bottom managed where all the bottom kind of like employees are afraid to voice their opinion because then they would be told off by management. Do you think they would post something on an ESN? Right. Probably not, right? So you need to have the right culture in place for an ESN to work actually. Yeah, and and more of an open culture, I think, which I think more companies are are really heading towards and and getting into. And I think we've got technology companies to really thank for that. So um, moving into a a little bit of a different direction and sort of focusing on um, a few industries and B2B companies directly, um, I want to ask you, you know, as a manufacturer, um, when we look at the social supply chain and how we can use social technology. And, and social media um, to move the business forward. What do, as a manufacturer, do I have to keep in mind? Yeah, I think as a manufacturer, the primary use cases for social technologies would really be listening, social listening, social monitoring, which kind of like can be used in the same context, right, to get input for your own development of products and services and the usage of an enterprise social networks to communicate internally more meaningful um, and to put the resources that you have into the right space to, in the end, sort of like also save cost. Uh, so those two, social monitoring and social communication, for me, are the major use cases for manufacturers. Okay. And then bringing on the next point. So, I mean, a little bit selfishly, um, but in in a role as a logistics provider and pure B2B um, sales and uh, operations, how do social technologies help logistics providers a, with communication, I mean, we did go over that a little bit with starting internally, but I also want to find out from you, you know, how do the social technologies help with attracting new customers, especially in the logistics space? I know there's a lot of different opinions on this and uh, different ways uh, that people are utilizing the social media and social technologies, but I don't really think anybody's really perfected it. And I'd like to get your thoughts on how it can be done better. Yeah, absolutely. So I think one way in terms of communication where the, where the magic of an enterprise social network really happens if, is if you open it up, not just to employees, but actually also to your logistic providers, 
right? So when you're in the spot of logistic provider, all the manufacturers that you're delivering goods to or service that are providing goods, uh, ser- sorry, they are providing goods and services to, then ideally you hook into their ESN, right, and become part of their enterprise social network so that you can meaningfully and transparently communicate not just within one company, but actually from one company to the next, to the next, to the next, down the entire supply chain until you end up at the end consumer. Right? This is where it would really show its, its real power, and this is not happening at all from what I'm seeing for now. So this is sort of like a little bit wishful thinking as well. Um, but this is where I would ideally like the supply chain industry to move towards to. And in, in order, the second part of your question really was about how to drive business. Um, social selling practices is something that is really, really interesting to look at, which very often goes hand in hand with employee advocacy. So I'm, I'm throwing around here a little bit with buzzwords. Let me quickly clarify this. Um, by employee advocacy, I mean is to give a human face to your company by leveraging the social media accounts your employees have out there, right? So instead of yourself communicating and use your company pages on LinkedIn and your Twitter handle, your company Twitter handle to put out news and messages and updates, why not leverage the profiles of your employees? Um, The biggest fans and the biggest advocates for your company usually sit very, very close to you, right? And those are your employees. So they most of the time would actually not mind to share content via their own network, via LinkedIn, via Twitter, obviously more the the business-geared networks, because that helps them also to build up a reputation for themselves, right? Which shows their network that they know what they're talking about. If you just provide them with excellent content and then maybe give them a platform where they can easily grab that content and then share it with one click onto their social networks, then that that works usually very, very well. And that brings us into the social selling side of things. If, especially as a sales representative, um, I have a very well curated social media profile and a good reputation out there, well then customers will naturally or potential customers will naturally turn towards me because they see that I know what I'm talking about. Um, And it will also allow me to reach out to potential accounts that I always wanted to get in touch with, but I didn't really know how and I couldn't get the door open because I didn't find the right contact. Well, by doing a search on Twitter, doing a search on LinkedIn, you will find loads of different um, contacts within a certain account. And uh, the, the kind of like the let's say the the B2B sales is not as easy as the B2C sales is. You need many, many different touch points. You need to have contacts within procurement, within marketing, within sales, within service, right across the entire company, depending on how big the account is. But in big accounts, it's not sufficient to only know one person. By doing an advanced LinkedIn search, it's very easy to find hundreds of people working at the same company in a specific role that you're looking for, right? So leverage that massive search engine for professionals and do get in touch with those people. Do get in front of them. Build a real relationship with them, not just like, yes, hey, I want to sell you something, you know, and that's why I'm adding you on LinkedIn. No, but be interested in what they're all about. Uh, Learn from what they're posting. Build up this relationship. It probably takes more time up front, but in the end, it tends to pay off massively. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, relationships are getting more and more important in that space. And uh, I think the I think you make some really great points. But what I want to ask you um, is about the content. There's so much content out there. So, you know, how do you or, you know, how do uh, supply chain professionals, you know, get access to the the content that's really going to help them in their business and and uh, you know bring the tips and 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 maybe the information that they need um, to help them in their day-to-day and from a sales standpoint how do you how do you get your content noticed I mean there's so much out there yeah that's right that's right so let's start with the first part which is like where do you get the content from? Um, I mean, ideally, the company you work for has a clear content strategy in terms of production of, of content, right? which is probably not always the case yet. I mean, I've spoken to many supply chain companies and don't even have a marketing department. So um, a streamlined way of creating content is not always something that's there. Uh, that needs to be in place. I mean, obviously, the sales guy is there to build business relationships and sell stuff. It can't be the job of the sales guy to create all the content on top of that. So it needs to be content that is curated and produced by the company itself. If you think about what is your core story, where are you coming from, where you want to go to, and what is your justification as a company to exist on planet Earth, right? If you start with that thought, then you can come up with communication themes, with topics that you want to talk about. Uh, Might it be innovation, it could be sustainability, it could be so many different communication themes that you really care about, right? And then for those, you can create certain content pillars and content assets, which means like, for example, a big white paper or a big ebook or a a brand film, right? A documentary, and then break it out, break those pillars out into assets and create infographics, create blog posts create short videos, and then share those again on the social networks and provide your employees access to those assets for them to share them as well, right? So it's probably a little bit of a long and complex answer here to this question, Sarah, but maybe it's also a good one because it's not as straightforward, right? Typically, I mean, the content needs to be so good that the consumers would pay for it or that your potential customers would pay for it, right? Um, That is what will make you stand out from the crowd. Yeah, great points. And and I I do agree with you on that. And it's... You know, there's there's a lot of different topics in supply chain, and and people are searching all sorts of different things. But I, I think, I think there's and there's a lot of good content out there for people to read and um, good information um, that's really being being put out there. So I urge everybody to obviously you know look around for it and look for these experts on the topics that uh, you're looking to know more about because they're definitely out there and they're putting a lot of effort and energy into some of these posts and into the information that they're putting out there. So now we're going to sort of turn the table just a little bit before we get into our our questions about the future. But how do social technologies um, help me as a consumer? Well, as a consumer, 
you get loads of power, really. <laughs> so the power balance is kind of like completely changed, right? Because in the past, the supply chain and the companies of the supply chain, they will basically decide what they offer you as a consumer. Um, well, now you have the right to decide, right? You can voice yourself. You can give feedback. It's no longer mass production. It's really you choosing what the market, what should be offered to the market. Right. So that's a great chance. It's it's a great way of engaging. It's the way that you engage with your friends and family anyways. So why not following a couple of companies out there that you care about? Companies, maybe not so much about the company that you care about, but you care about the purpose, what they stand for, what they're trying to do, maybe addressing mega trends like um, the, the increased need in the world for uh, food production or for energy in certain markets, for sustainability. Uh, living in conjunction with the environment, right? There's so many great B2B and logistic companies out there working their <clears throat> off to every day, you know, to, to make this world a better place. And very often they do communicate this very nicely on social media. So that's a great way to get insight, to voice yourself, to be heard uh, as a consumer. Absolutely. So I know if for this next question that I've got a lot of opinions, um, but I'd like to hear from you first, you know, where do you see social supply chain in the next five to 10 years? And what are the challenges? Um, I think for me, and just before you answer that question, I think that there's a lot of growth in the supply chain and logistics industries. As far as marketing, you mentioned yourself earlier that um, some companies don't even have a marketing department. And yet, I feel like it's such an important component. So let's just hear your thoughts on it and when, where you see it going in the next five to 10 years. All right. Yeah, that's certainly an interesting one. So I really hope that with, with social technologies, we're going to have the chance to make the supply chain business more open and more transparent and in that way also more just, if you will. Right. So that's kind of like my wish. And I think when I before talked about it, saying like opening an ESN, an enterprise social network, for example, up between manufacturers and logistic providers, that would really be the ideal world because then people would actually speak to each other. And I think many things that happen today in the supply chain where resources are being foolishly spent could be avoided. Right. The big challenge I see for this to happen is that very often people don't want the supply chain to be transparent for business reasons. Um, I've recently been at a copper recycling manufacturer. Right. So what they do, they buy across Europe and the world. They buy um, uh, basically they buy old cars, they, um, buy old com they buy old computers to purchase all of those components that were thrown away, which do include copper to recycle it and produce clean copper again and then sell that again, right? And they told me, it's like, you know, we, we don't want to be transparent and open with, uh, with our logistic providers and with the people who want to sell old copper to us because we might give one price to one guy for the same quality to another guy, we give them a different price just because we know they have the money. So I think there is a very human kind of like aspect in this whole thing for this to happen. And uh, we'll see where the future really brings us. The technology is there. 
but I hope also that we sort of like in our thinking become more more global, more transparent, more just. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And and I also I also hope to see a little bit more of the social social media, social technologies, like you said, the ESN connections between the companies in a supply chain, um, just to make it a little bit more cost effective, a little bit more efficient, everybody trusting each other a little bit more and working together as uh, as partners. So I think it'll be interesting to see what does happen. So now to my next question, um, what top supply chain executives and companies, you know, as a social media company, are you following? Yeah, that's a good question. So in terms of top executives, it's actually a bit hard uh, to mention some because there are not too many out there. Um, So let me give you a couple of companies, really. Um, Who I like to follow is, for example, Phoenix Contact. They're doing quite a good uh, work. They have the headquarters in Germany and in the, in the industrial connection technology business, um, automation technology, um, electronic interfaces. So if you, for example, imagine on, on e-cars, uh, they would design the plugs for, for to charge your car, uh, that kind of stuff. And they're now launching also a new business branch branched out from their core business, which is all about um, additive manufacturing or uh, 3D printing, right? And they use social media, especially Twitter, for example, in a very nice way to keep people up to date what they're doing. Uh, they're at many fairs and congresses, and, and they're sharing this in a, very, in a very nice way. And when you write to them, you would immediately get a response back as well. So they're, they're really going for real engagement, which is what I like. So that was um, Phoenix Contact. Um, another one that I want to mention is ThyssenKrupp, right? So, I mean, they obviously are in the logistics business, um, have a very close kind of like relationship also to the consumer world because probably anybody has used the ThyssenKrupp elevator or electric stairs. Um, they had a really cool campaign going on recently called Around the World. Um, just do a look for that. Look for the hashtag ATW around the world, ATW, um, on Twitter, where they had a group of students, I think it was four or five students, traveling around the world. Those were interns at Tucson Group, and they sent them to different locations of the company to actually discover what the corporation is all about. They did videos, they did, uh, they did uh, interviews with employees, and sort of like um, captured by that in video and images and voices the great engineering culture Dusenkrupp has around the globe. Um, and, the, and as a last one, uh, Maersklein is a company I'm following also quite a bit. I mean, Orca was also founded based on the success of Maersk as the head of social media at Maersklein. The former one is one of the founders of Orca Social. So I'm following them very closely. They're doing a great job on, on Facebook with over one million fans, uh, have uh, loads of Twitter followers, and they're sharing great content in the shipping industry in general, asking critics questions also here every now and then. And um, maybe one last stat I could give you there. When they started doing things on social year over year, they saw an increase of 116% in terms of curriculums being handed in to them. So from an unsexy kind of like shipping B2B company, they turned into a fancy brand that people really, really, really wanted to work for. 
Wow, I I actually didn't realize that. I'm going to have to go and uh, check that out for myself. I mean, for a shipping line to have that many followers, I mean, that's pretty amazing. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, just to wind down the interview, um, I want to say thank you, obviously, to you um, for coming on the show and, and really talking about social social supply chain, which doesn't get talked about too much. And we don't talk about social technologies and social media and supply chain and, lo- and logistics too, too much. So why don't you uh, just give us an update and tell us a little bit about what's next for Orca Social? <laughs> That's a good question. I mean, when I, when I think about what's next for Orca, we're not even yet done with what we're currently doing, right? So I think there's still so much work to do in terms of driving positive change through social technologies, which is also our, our mission statement. We want to enable positive change through social technologies. And um, especially in the B2B world, supply chain, logistics, um, things very often nowadays are still very much seen, let's say, well, old-fashioned, the old-fashioned way, right? The digitalization has not yet been fully embraced, but it is a trend that can't be stopped. Industry 4.0, digitalization, and we want to create a world. And we want to show people the possibilities of social technologies and if we go back and close the loop, not just talk about social media, forget about social media. It's not just about posting on Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest and Snapchat. It's about the possibilities that those technologies do offer us to improve communication and live closer together, communicate better, and in the end for all the companies out there to save costs and operate more efficiently. I love that. I love that you guys are all about social change and uh, for the future and uh, so many possibilities out there. So that is all the time that we have, Ben. Thank you so much for being with us today and taking our listeners on the social journey for supply chain. My pleasure, Sarah. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. Are you struggling to make the most out of your supply chain and keep your orders moving efficiently? IceCorp is your supply chain specialist and they specialize in e-commerce, retail and drop ship distribution. They will provide you with tailor-made solutions that will drive your business and sales forward. Get your free assessment, visit them at icecorplogistics.com. Check out their learning center as they have some great free resources waiting for you. Sorry about that guys, duty called and I had to miss the show again. But you can connect with Ben on LinkedIn and Twitter. We will have all his information on our website at twobabestalksupplychain.com. Tune in next week where we get into everything trade shows and events with Fran Hollingsworth of Mendelssohn Commerce. She will be in studio with us so you won't want to miss out on all the fun. We want to hear from you, our listeners. You can email us at listener at twobabestalksupplychain.com. To send us any of your questions or even supply chain topics you would like to learn more about, subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher or follow us on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. And always remember, ship happens.